Hello and welcome to livealittlehigher.com. This week we continue with our learning on Pirkei Avot, Ethics of the Fathers, with the book of uh, Visions of the Fathers by Rabbi Abraham Tversky. And we're starting to read Mishnah 10 and 11 from chapter 2, where Rabbi Yohanan ben Sakai had five primary disciples. They were Rabbi Eliezer ben Hirkanos, Rabbi Yehoshua ben Hananiah, Rabbi Yosef de Cohen, Rabbi Shimon ben Nesanel, and Rabbi Elazar ben Arach. So this Mishnah number 10, and actually Mishnah 10 to 14, they're really read as one unit, but we're going to go one by one uh, so we can understand them better. But this Mishnah number 10, Rabbi Yohanan ben Sakai says that he had five primary students. And the question is, how can he say that he had five primary students if he had thousands of students. So what it's telling us here is that these five disciples were very, very special to him. They were more special than the rest. And why would this be? Uh, what would that make them different from the other students? And the Torah says that the, there is a very special relationship between the Torah teacher, the Rebbe, and his students, there has to be a very special relationship. And if there's not a very special relationship, then the disciples of this teacher are really not gaining what they should be gaining. Um, it's funny because it says that in olden times, you would ask a student, where did he learn Torah? And his answer would be, I'm a Talmud of the Reb Shlomi Heyman, or I'm a Talmud of Reb Moshe Feinstein, or I'm a Talmud of Reb Aaron eh, Kotler, like they would not say I go to this yeshiva, they, they would tell you who was the Rebbe. And today you would ask any student that goes to a yeshiva, where, do he, do, where does he learn? And he, they won't answer you, I am a, a student of Reb such and such. They will answer you, oh I go to the Mir Yeshiva, or oh, I go to such and such yeshiva. But there is no more that connection between the Rebbe and his student. And this is why the Mishnah is telling us here why it was so important for Rabbi Yohanan ben Sakai. These five disciples were really like an extension of him. So then he, it says here, how can the Mishnah state that Rabbi Yohanan ben Sakai had five disciples when we know that he had more than that? And the Rabbi of Random explains that these particular five students were extremely humble and were not aware of their own statue, statue, uh, salutatory character traits. And indeed, Rabbi Yohanan had other disciples. However, these five students were self-effaced that he found it necessary to call uh, attention to their great greatness because they were so humble, he needed to uh, raise them up so they could know what they were good at. And it says here that it's, humbleness is a very important trait and people have it misjudged. People think that to be humble is to be low-key, to not talk, to be quiet, to never say anything. And re in reality, this is not true humbleness. True humbleness is when a person um, acknowledges his good character traits, what is good in him, and he realizes that what makes him great is not himself, but Hashem gave him these tools for him to be able to be the best person he can be. He needs them for his, uh, for his job in this world, for his purpose and his mission. So humility really is to recognize one's strength 
and also ones not good strengths and, and, and work on them and perfect them. Whatever is not good in you, you should really work on, on refining yourself. But whatever is good, you should use it for, for greatness. So they give us an example here. For example, King Saul, King Shaul, was most humble. He was a very humble person. He was so humble that this is what precisely uh, make him lose his monarchy because instead of exercising his authority as a king, he submitted himself to the public will. And the words of the prophet Shmuel indicate this misapplication of humility. And he says, though you are small in your eyes, you are the head of the tribes of Israel. So if you're a person that is given um, a a statute that you're in a in a level you're a, a CEO of a business you're a leader in a community you're a father you're a mother that you have positions of strength you should never feel that uh, you have to be like this you have to bring out the best in you you have to know if you know what if I'm good at this I have to show it out I have to show it not because of me because this is a gift that God gave me I have to give it to the world so Rabbi Yehuda Leib Hasman said it is not humility to be ignorant of one's strengths, rather it is pure folly. This is reiterated by another ethicist who said, if a person is unaware of his defects, then he does not know what he must correct. However, it is far worse if he is not aware and he doesn't acknowledge his strengths, for then he cannot not utilize his abilities and he has um, lost that opportunity in life. Like, Everybody has something to give in this world, something special, something important that is to give in this world. And if we don't acknowledge what God gave us, our good positive traits, then we are really uh, missing the boat. And then it says here in, the, in Mishnah, Mishnah 11, he used to enumerate their praises. He used to enumerate their praises so they would know what they're good at. And Rabbi Elasser, Ben Hircanos is like a cemented cistern that loses not a drop. Rabbi Yehoshua ben Hanania, praiseworthy, is he is she who bore him. Rabbi Yose de Cohen is a scrupulous, pious man, person. And Rabbi Shimon ben Nesanel fears sin. And Rabbi Elazar ben Arach is like a spring flowing stronger and stronger. So let's see what this means. So Rabbi Elazar ben Hircamos is like a cemental cistern that loses not a drop. What he meant by this, by this praise, is that it, he would not lose a bit. He would remember everything. And what it's saying here is that many people are, are born with photographic memory and artistic um, talent or musical talents and this really doesn't make them great because they're born like that this is how they were made so if a person doesn't forget anything he learns every face he meets every name he meets everything really there's no there's no kavod to this person because really this is how Hashem made his brain so he's living up to what he is but uh, Rabbi Elazar was not born with photographic memory. He did have no photographic memory and he remembered every word of the Torah because it was important to him. So this is why Rabbi Yohanan wants to teach us that we, when a person makes it a priority in, in his life, things are important for him. He's not going to forget them. Like if for you it's important the birthday of your children, you're not going to forget the birthday of your children. 
but if for you birthdays are not something important then you're gonna have to write it down you're gonna have to get a message and sometimes you will forget so we rarely forget things that are very important to us uh, psychoanalytic theory states that if a person forgets something important there was some reason perhaps unconscious why he did not wish to remember it so sometimes we forget things that we really don't want to remember and Ahasid once complained to his Rebbe that his memory was failing him and that he was unable to recall much of what he had learned and the Rebbe answered him sorry excuse me is it not strange that you have not forgotten how to put the fork in your mouth when you eat but you forget your Torah so here we go to the same idea that what is important for us we will never forget it's something that's gonna be ingrained in our minds so then and it's telling us that Eliezer Berhikanos was like a cemental cistern that loses not one drop not because of his photographic memory but because for him Torah was of utmost importance so then he says and Rabbi Yehoshua ben Hanania praiseworthy is she who bore him so it's giving praises to his mother why because his mother was a very pious woman she was a very righteous woman and when he was in her womb she was already going from yeshiva to yeshiva so her son in the womb would listen to to the torah that was being delivered in the yeshivas and in the shuls uh, there's a story i remember that a couple came to a rabbi to ask him that they were pregnant and that they wanted to know when was the best time to start uh, uh, teaching their their child uh, education Torah education and the rabbi looked at them and says okay how long are you pregnant and she says well I'm five months and he says okay you're five months late so this is what it reminds me like this lady since her baby was in her womb she was already uh, taking advantage of whatever was going in around the surroundings so the baby could grasp the Torah and later on when this baby was uh, already born she would take him personally to the yeshivas and to the shuls and to any shiur so he could uh, learn Torah but here Rabbi Tversky is telling us that sometimes people blame their parents for, who they, for how they turned out and uh, yeah I'm like this because my parents never taught me my parents never showed me or my parents were abusive or whatever the reason is it's easier to blame the parents but here what he's telling us is that it, the greatness of a person yes maybe whatever the parents gave them helped them become what they are but not necessarily that's what's gonna define them because many kids are given the best opportunities in life for education college eh, best schools best and they throw it away so it's up really up to the person to really take what the parents are giving them and uh, live through it and, and learn and, and work on it because at the end of the day the work comes from the person so uh, Rabbi Yohanan really was um, uh, uh, sorry Rabbi Yehoshua ben Hanania uh, was an incredible person his mother gave him a, a stepping stone but in reality it was because of his efforts that he became who he became and then the Mishnah continues saying and Rabbi Shimon ben Nasanel fears sin and as I noted these five disciples of Rabbi Yohanan ben Sakai were the greatest of the greatest and it seems a bit unusual that a master praised one of these spiritual giants merely as someone who fears sin so let's understand what Yira Shammai means what really means to fear sin to be uh, fearful of, of, of heaven 
And what it means is that Rabbi Schneur Salman states that an Eshama has an inherent craving to be connected to its source. We're like, like moths. If you look at a moth, it will always strive to go to the light. And it doesn't care if it burns in the bulb, in the light bulb, but he's always striving to go to the, to the, to the light. We are the same. A, a, a soul is always trying to reconnect to its source. And, um, and the natural state of a soul is to want to reconnect to, the, to, the, to, the, to Hashem and to cling to Hashem. Much as an iron feelings cling to a powerful magnet. And any sin, any sin even the minu, most smallest sin that we do from the Torah takes us far away from God. It creates a barrier and causes a separation between the Neshama and Hashem. So when a person understands that anything he does that is, goes against Torah, that goes against holiness, that goes against God, what it does is that moves him far away from his Creator, then he will be petrified, not of, of the consequences of his sin, he will be petrified to be separated from his Father in Heaven. So it's like a child, if a child respects the parent, he will never do anything that will separate him from the parent. If a child understands that his relationship with his parents is based on trust and, and, and respect, and for him it's important to have a relationship with his parents and, to, and, they, and the child values the relationship with the parents, he will never do anything that will severe that relationship. He will be petrified. If I steal the car, my father will never trust me again. And that's what creates that fear. And that was the fear that Shimon Ben Asanel uh, experienced. So for Torah is our life, and the words of, 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 of the Torah are taken very literally. And for such a person, the possibility of sin is much more than a concern about doing wrong. It is an actual dread of, lo of losing one's spiritual life. So when a person is connected to this, uh, to this knowledge, he doesn't want to lose this. He, do he doesn't want to lose it for, for a sin. You know, it's very cheap. You lose the world to come just because you decided to eat a, a, a shrimp. No way! It's too cheap. So this is a kind of fear which characterized Rabbi Shimon. And when Rabbi Yohanan was at near death, his disciples asked him for his blessing and he gave them this blessing. May you have a great a fear of God as you do of other people. We're so fearful of what other people are going to think of us, of what they say of us, of, of, of what's going to, if, if there's going to be a nuclear bomb, if uh, Trump said this or this one said that. We're so fearful of the world. It, this is how we should feel about Hashem. Like we're so fearful of, of, of human beings and we're not uh, having our ira connected to where it has to be. So they were taken aback and said, is that what you think of us? And Rabbi Yohanan replied, I hope you can achieve that. It is not remarkable that Rabbi Yohanan expected the same thing of his disciples that he did of a common thief. How can one compare the greatest of the great to the lowest of the low? And Yohanan's grasp of human nature was very profound. And the greatness to which every person can rise, and this is very important, is virtually limitless. And Rambam says, Every pers person has the capacity to be as great as a Sadiq as Moshe Rabbeinu. Everybody has the capacity. Everybody. 
If we are God-fearing people, if we walk in Hashem's ways, if we're always trying to do good and walking away from evil, and we're very careful with our thoughts, our speech, our actions, and we're, we strive to be connected to, to the light, to be connected to our source, to be connected to Hashem, then we can always return to Teshuvah and we can always come to a great, great level. But on the other hand, if we go the other way, also the greatest of the greatest can fall to become the lowest of the lowest. And then the last student, who was Rabbi Elazar Ben Arach, is said of him is like a spring flowing stronger and stronger. And here uh, Rabbi Tversky explains that there are two types of achievers, of people who are achievers, and whose behavior may appear on the surface as very similar or identical, but in fact they're very different. So the first achiever is a person that may be endowed with much talent and may have a great deal of, of, of things to offer to others and this person is humble about it and he knows that he has these great talents so he gives them to the world. And the more he gives to the world and the more the world receives them, the more he has to give. And this is compared to a nursing mother and a nursing mother she is very uncomfortable when her breasts are full of milk it's painful even and uh, and they're full and the only thing she wants to do is give it to someone give it to her baby eat it enjoy it uh, nurture yourself so when a person has so much to give and has nobody to give to it's very painful it's like they're ready to explode and give to the world what they have to give but if they don't have who to give it to, it can be very painful. But the moment this person is able to give, just like the nursing mother, he will produce more and more and more to give uh, to the world. And the other um, uh, example he gives, Rabbi Tversky, is that there's another type of a person that is an achiever, but this person is different. This person is an achiever because he has a very low self-esteem and because of his low self-esteem, uh, of his feelings of ina inadequacy, he needs to prove to the world that he is someone valuable. And the, the intention before, for this is not to give to the world what he has to offer, it's for him to feel good about himself. The problem is that a person that suffers from low self-esteem, uh, uh, feelings of in in inadequa inadequacy, he will never be feel fulfilled because he, this feeling will never go away. So this person really is, uh, is very sad, is very unfortunate and most of us in a certain way or another feel, feel uh, feelings of uh, insecurity. Maybe someone makes us feel insecure about ourselves or, or there are certain things we have to do in life that we don't do in the best way and it makes us feel insecure. So Rabbi Tversky tells that this person really has to connect to Hashem, has to really understand that his talents come from God, they're not self-made and that Hashem made him in his image and he made him out of love and whatever he's given to this person really is, is is for him to produce the best of himself to the world, to give it to the world, but not for him to feel good that he's doing it, but because this is what he has to do. And this is a very big different approach in life. So the characteristic of a spring is that it may reach a certain level and then remain stationary and an additional water will come forth 
only when one fetches water from the spring. So the more water you take out from the spring, the more water the spring will give you, in the same way as the nursing mother. And taking from a spring is the stimulus that results in the source of the spring releasing more water. So this was the nature of Rabbi Elazar. He was like a spring that constantly renewed himself and increased in strength. And the more Torah he expounded, the more Torah he acquired. Little wonder that the master considered him as equal to all his peers combined. So I leave you here. I hope you take these lessons to heart. I hope they help you in your life. I hope they help you live better in a more uh, productive, happier way and in a higher way. So remember, live a little higher. Thank you.